Hello, everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from the Winnipeg Free Press. Together, we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show after a spirited game by the Winnipeg Jets against the St. Louis Blues. An interesting one. I don't know how much to take out of this one. It's a night where the Jets got the better on the shot clock. I thought they carried vast stretches of play, and yet I take a look at this game, and and there was a lot, a lot of opportunities for the St. Louis Blues. I thought that once again, I find myself doing this more and more often, but a shout out to uh, the TSN crew calling the game, um, Dan and Kevin, uh, for kind of pointing out the idea that there, there, there was a stretcher. I'd sent it to Ken. I was like, it was almost comical, the bad puck luck that it seemed like the uh, St. Louis Blues were having. And maybe I shouldn't call it puck luck because there's a lot, a lot of examples in there of a kind of never say die attitude by the Winnipeg Jets that I really thought carried them in this game and you know that that a lot of times is the difference in the game i mean imagine this scenario let's play the what if game i know sometimes people hate and I, hey i'm the guy who sometimes hates playing the what if game but i take a look at jordan bennington and let's just get this out of the way right now this to me is quite simply and quite easily the pristine wake-up call the pristine roofing wake-up call for Jordan Bennington when he goes behind the net where there's already a Winnipeg Jets player and already one of his own players and kind of casually watches as the puck kind of gets turned over. And then the front angle of this is just so damning. He looks like he doesn't care to get back into the empty net that he's left behind. This ends up being the 4-2 goal and imagine, or excuse me, the 4-1 goal. Now imagine what this game would have looked like down the stretch if he hadn't allowed that goal, hadn't made that boneheaded error. And and then all of a sudden the St. Louis Blues score that second goal and now it's 3-2 down the stretch, right? Now it's a 3-2 grind and now you got to squeeze the stick a little harder. The entire complexion of the game is different if Jordan Bennington doesn't absolutely bone it. There reminds me of Stuart Skinner. Uh, sorry, not Stuart Skinner. Um, the the the. the uh, why am I drawing a blank right now? The backup goaltender Ken will be here, and he'll correct me when it's time. But the backup goaltender for the uh, Edmonton Oilers and how he left his net, kind of gifted a goal that ended up getting the Jets to overtime and getting them two points in that game. But these things don't happen if you aren't pressing, if you're not forechecking, if you're not on your toes, if you're not forechecking with speed. So as much as I want to take a look at this and say, these are boneheaded plays, and yes, both cases they were, and yes, I find it damning that Jordan Bennington didn't try to get back into his net a little bit faster than he did, just kind of seem to give up on the play. But again, the reason those plays exist is because the Jets are doing what they should be doing in that situation. And that's fighting to get to the puck, to cut off the wall, to do all those kind of things, to be there just in case the opposition goalie decides to do something stupid, which Jordan Binnington did in this situation, which is why, of course, he gets my pristine roofing wake-up call of the day. You know what that means. Hey, if you have any issues and it's starting to be this time of season where those issues are happening with the 
constant snow and melt and snow and melt. You're going to see problems start to pop up on your roof, maybe on your siding, all your exteriors. You know what to do if you're having those issues. You can just wake up North End Rick, 1-204-981-6281. Give him the pristine roofing and siding wake-up call. If you don't want to do that, you want to call someone else, well, you can call Pristine Roofing at 1-204-237-7663. This was one of those organic ideas that came from our chat room, the whole idea of the pristine roofing wake-up call. Um, it makes sense. It, it seems there's always someone in the game who deserves that uh, wake-up call. Uh, but we'll get into the the you know not only what the Jets did well there, but you know to bail out Connor Hellebuck. This is a game where there's a lot, a lot of great examples for the keg save of the game for the. Kenny and Rennie OGs uh, got you covered with the Johnson group. There's a bunch of them to pick from. We'll get to all those kind of things. But I did want to say all those people out there, we were starting to see a little bit of nattering at Ken uh, on on, uh, X or Twitter. I'd still call it Twitter uh, for his take on pull Alex Iafalo off that first line because that line's not working. Break up the one line that is working. And what what I find is, you know, people like we like to joke about, you know, the divorce lawyer and all those kind of things. And soon enough, Kenny and Rennie, you better believe, are going to have a divorce lawyer uh, on the show or something like that. Some kind of sponsor, you better believe it. But I'll say this. Every the bedrock of every long term relationship is working with each other and make no doubt about it. Kenny and Rennie is a long term relationship. We've been doing this for a long time now. There's been a lot of times we've been at each other's throats on this show. A lot of times we've had each other's back, to be honest with you, behind the scenes. We always have each other's back. But just like in any relationship, like in your relationships with your significant others. Hey, my relationship with Mrs. Rennie, the important thing is when there is some kind of you know disagreement or argument in the situation where it becomes clear and obvious that the one that one of the two of you is right and correct it's incumbent upon the other person to say acknowledge you know what i was wrong you were right and we're going to see if ken's going to do that in this situation we're going to see if ken's going to come out and be like I don't know what I was thinking. Alex, I have follow off the top. I don't know what I was thinking. I temporarily lost my mind. You were right, Rennie. You were right. We're going to see if that's going to happen. We don't need to wait for it any longer, everybody, because it's about time to bring in the man with the best music in the business. Here we go, everybody. Here comes Kenny. Kenny, in the time that we've been doing, <laughs> this is like one of those takes where, uh, like a Seinfeld special, where where you're gonna have to. No, sorry, I started laughing, and now it's gonna take 18 takes. Sorry, buddy. Start again.
Yeah. Throw it again. Um, yeah. I'm not the kind of guy to say I told you so, Ken. <laughs> You're um, not. Right. Well, so I'm right. not going to. I'm going to let the chat room do it for me. Uh, I think they've got that well in hand. Uh, but Ken, um, you can start there. You can start wherever you want. I thought it was funny. Okay. I mean, it's one of these nights where if it goes in a different direction, you know, and I don't think, well, I don't know. Maybe Alex Iafalo was sitting there late at night. And he clicked. He was on the road. He had a couple of days and he was watching Kenny and Rennie and he said, what? Kenny, are you serious? And then came out and did what he did there. Or maybe Mark <laughs> Shifley and Kyle Connor listened to Rennie and said, you know what? He's right. We are good at hockey. We should just go out and score more goals and set up more goals. Maybe that happened. Either way, I'm not going to blame it on you. I'm going to give Kenny and Rennie the podcast credit for turning around the first line tonight. Ken, is that what you saw out there? Hey, we always tell people to, that we keep the receipts, so I'm glad when other people keep the receipts also. Um, yeah, I, you know, I didn't hear a lot of people saying keep the line together outside of you. You said keep the line together, but not because <laughs> the line was playing well. Come on. Sorry, Come sorry. On. No, people didn't agree with you that they should put Nino there, but not a lot of people were saying, yes, that top line is playing great. Okay. All right. So you're saying Rennie was the only one who was right. Okay. I like where you're going with this. Continue on. <laughs> you weren't actually right on that. Sense uh, hey, Alex, I follow unbelievable game uh, Four assists. That's a career high for him. He was on fire out there and he needed to be. And as I mentioned, uh, and also in my response to Scott Hayward, and shout out to Scott Hayward for listening and for taking the, the, the first swing, no problem whatsoever. We got, I've got a, you know, happy to absorb them when they're coming my way, no problem. Uh, as you would recall, I, did, I didn't say that it was Iafalo's fault the line didn't look good, but let's not kid ourselves, the line hasn't looked good. So uh, I stand by what I said. And, uh, you know, that, that line looked like what a first line's supposed to look like. And a lot of that had to do with, uh, you know, the very dogged play at both ends of the ice, as Scott O'Neill pointed out in his post-game chat with Mike McIntyre, my colleague. Uh, that line was great in both ends. That line, those three guys were great on the power play, which needed a boost again. Three games in a row, four goals in that stretch, but... Let's not kid ourselves. That's the best Mark Scheifele's played probably this, not probably, that's his best game of the year. Uh, he had gone six games without a goal, and I thought he was great, not just because he got, you know, had three points, but he was dogged in all three zones, lots of back pressure. Um, and, you know, Sean, as you mentioned, on the wake-up play of the game brought to you by Pristine Roofing, if Mark Scheifele's not pursuing that puck on the cycle... yeah. <laughs> Jordan Bennington's not there to begin with, right? So um, good job by him there. And (laughs) hey, Kyle Connor is not going to score an easier goal than that one there. (laughs) Empty net. And Bennington, he went around the net on the wrong side. That was the, I don't think he wasn't hustling. He just took the scenic route, didn't he? I, I don't know why he didn't just go to his left instead of to his right. Um, I, I, I don't know if you saw what I saw in that camera angle from the front, but the look on his face, he looks borderline disinterested. Like you can tell it's, it's almost like he gets in behind the net and he gives up on the play. 
right? Like he looks like he's like, I messed this yeah, up. I mean, it's going in. I give up on the play or else my defenseman's going to bail me out. It, it very can stands starkly to me in contrast of what the Winnipeg Jets looked like tonight in that they were never giving up on a play and everyone was doing everything they could to try and keep the puck out of the net. When you're the opposition team and not even the guy whose job it is to keep the puck out of the net, Looks like he's interested in fighting to keep the puck out of the net. No wonder that the, we get the results that we got on the night tonight. I mean, we've both been around Jordan Bennington, and, and disinterest is really not something that that is part of his DNA. So I I wouldn't go that far, uh, but definitely was a terrible play, and it cost them big time for sure. Uh, Jets overall really solid, uh, with the exception of a couple of. <laughs> couple of strange things Sean I mean in, in a in a very one-sided game uh, in a lot of ways that could have easily been a totally different game were it not totally. for a bunch of the totally um, a bunch of the you know kick save by Dylan DeMello Vladislav Nemesnikov doing a great job of being in the net when Connor Hellebuck was swimming um yeah and, and you know Oscar Sundquist uh, ripping one off the bar and, you know, Braden Shen thinking he's got an empty net only to, you know, have it carry him off of Nate Schmidt's stick. Like, the the breakdowns were uh, of the extra large, double XL variety for me, Sean, even though, you know, the Jets had a very substantial edge, you know, 13-7 in high danger chances at 5-on-5 and... Um, but you know, expected goals were 2.43 to 1.64 and that's sorry. Yeah. For the jets. But I just didn't, in a game that looked tidy, Sean, it it was not tidy. It wasn't tidy. So, it wasn't tidy. It, it, it's a, it's again, the thing that I was talking about in that the jets are the better five on five team yeah. They get the better chances off. But it it just seems that the chances that they give up are bangers, right? Like they're absolute bangers, and you know that. I guess maybe when you've got a guy like Connor Hellebuck, who's one of the best, if not the best, goaltenders in the world, I say it every single time I bring yep. him up. You know, you can get away with that every once in a while. But on a night like tonight, he wasn't at his best, and the Jets still got away with it, and they got away with it because they never gave up and they outcompeted the other team. So, um, but you're right. Like this this game. It could have, especially at the beginning, I mean, the, the shots, I believe, at the end of the first are 12 to 10, right? And then after that, yeah. the Jets kind of take over. Once again, we have been, ta- second, yeah. we've been talking about coming out and the Jets in their second period absolutely taking over games. You know, they continue that. But at the same time, a lot, a lot of plays here that could, had they gone the other way, had St. Louis got a little bit of puck luck, all of a sudden we're looking at an entirely different game. Just like I said, even if Jordan Bennington doesn't mess up that play behind the net, all of a sudden maybe it's 3-2 down the stretch and it's a little bit of a grind down the stretch here. So it's an interesting game because when you take a look at the 5-2 score and you take a look at the fact that the Jets kind of took things over shot-wise, the high danger, all these things that they've been doing all year long, you, you sit back and you think, oh, yeah, we got this game, and this is just the way that it's going to go. But things go and bounce a little bit differently, and we're looking at this maybe in, as being one of these games where we're like, how did the Jets lose that one? And keep in yeah. mind, if they lose that game, they're back to being a 500 club if they lose that game. And we're sitting here and we're racking our brains on how is this team the best team on the ice most of the nights that they play and finding a way to lose. Again, a lot of high-danger scoring chances. They didn't go in the net, so it looks great for the Jets tonight. To your point, it could have looked entirely different. 
Yeah, and, and it's it's interesting. I mean, we know we expect. I mean, Scott Darnell said that Lauren Brassois is, is likely to start on Thursday, and you know that makes sense. But to me, Sean, I mean, it's easy to say a second guess, but I mean, we were talking about this already well before the game. I mean, I thought that this was a game that made sense to start Lauren Brassois in. Uh, I understand mm-hmm. why they went Hellebuck Saturday afternoon. I, I totally it, it makes sense to me, but. I'm not saying that Connor or Hellebuck looked tired because they had a two-day break between games, but I don't think that he was he was not as sharp. But, I mean, at, there were also times when he did look sharp, but there were also times when he was kind of battling a little bit or over-pursuing. So, I mean, again, not a knock. He's been playing a lot, so, I, you know, he's going to get a chance to reset. And then guess what? Connor Hellebuck will be between the pipes on Saturday afternoon against Jake Ottinger, in a great clash of the goaltending titans, yeah, um, and my a, my pick this year for uh, for the Besson Trophy, mine as well. Great minds, okay. I guess. Hey, there we go. Yeah. There we go. Uh, See, anyways, common ground. <laughs> no doubt about that. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's like I said, I don't think that Connor Hellbuck was tired, but we've been talking about this a lot. I mean, if you want to get Lauren Brassois to twenty five to twenty seven starts, he's got to play more. And I mean, we know there, you know, there's a back-to-back coming up next week with Buffalo and Arizona, and he'll get one of those games. But um, it just needs to get into a little bit more of a rhythm, and this this should allow him to get into a little bit more of a rhythm. Uh, you know, slowly but surely, Connor Hellebuck kind of chipping away at those numbers here. Um, like already ten starts, like ten out of twelve. That that I understand that this, the spacing has allowed him to play ten out of twelve. But I do think it's important that in order for Lauren Brassois to get into a bit of a rhythm, he needs to play a little bit more. And I expect we're going to see him now in a little bit more of a rhythm here uh, coming up as the games get a little bit busier. Um, you know, in terms of the team defense, like there were a lot of things to like about what the Jets were doing. But then there were a couple times where they were a little bit loose in, in, in transition. There were odd man rushes and, and all of those things that... You know, when the Jets, you know, with all due respect to the, the Blues, who play very hard uh, on most nights, you play against a more skilled team. Some of those are in the back of the net, and then you're wondering what's going on here. Instead, you know, the Jets dug dug deep, found a way to get it done, and, you know, they're feeling good about themselves, taking two to three, you know, points in the majority, of, you know, just one, one regulation loss in what is it? Yeah, their last eight. One regulation loss in their last eight. So um, that's impressive hockey. That That's a long stretch of really good hockey. And now the tests will continue. Um, I mean, the biggest thing for me, Sean, and, you know, we've watched St. Louis a lot since 2018, uh, even 2015 for that matter. The thing for me, they scored 10 goals in two games on the weekend. How? Based on what we saw today, I guess they must have used them up um, because they they were struggling to score goals when we saw them the last time in Winnipeg. And, and today, obviously, they didn't have a lot of finish uh, on their plays as well. And you know, quite oh, frankly... But, but no, yeah. I mean, this is this is a night where they could have ended up with five or six goals uh, like we're talking sure, about, right? So. Sure. But I mean, I also didn't like the Shen goal, quite frankly. That's, that's one that Connor yeah, has to have. Fair enough. It's right through him. I mean, that's one that he's got to have there. Um, anyways, it's neither here nor there. The Jets did what they needed to do. Uh, but I think they're going to need to be like elevate their game a, a little bit further. 
uh, in order yeah. to, for, especially come Saturday. And never mind, come Saturday, they're going to have to be sharp when Nashville rolls into town because, you know, they're probably playing a little better than some people expected uh, on some nights here as well. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, hey, um, where's the show going? We're already a third of the way through this show and getting rolling here. Hey, um, we've been talking about how Jordan Bennington didn't look that good. Maybe, just maybe, if we wanted him to look better, you could dress him up in some Vittorio Rossi clothes after the game. That would probably cover up the stink of that play there because there's nothing that Frankie and the boys can't do to make you look good. Even after a bomb like that, a wake-up call. Uh, so you know what to do. If you, hey, if you've put yourself in a bad spot, if you need to look better out of it, you, hey, head on down to Cordon Avenue. Go to Vittorio Rossi, see Frankie and the boys, tell them Kenny and Randy sent you. It's going to be nice, Ken, to get out of these uh, these rags that we've been wearing the last couple of shows <laughs> and get back into some suits here. I'm feeling the need to to look better than I have been. Uh, so that's going to be good, like you yeah, said, d- Thursday d- and then again on Saturday. Don't be calling this uh, FootJoy golf shirt a rag, though, buddy. Come on now. <laughs> listen, listen, just go with it, Ken. I'm trying to I'm trying to do a promo here, for God's sake. Um, okay, uh, let's get into the power play. I want to take a, so I'm just going to take a, I'm going to start with this one. I'm going to start with the ball on this one and see how far I can run it down the field. You'll notice a couple shows ago, I believe it was their last game in Winnipeg before they left. I said I'd seen signs of this power play starting to turn itself around. I'd said a couple times, um, you know, like if, if Kyle Connor starts hitting, hitting the net with a couple of these things they're going in what i meant at that time was kyle connor was getting looks right the jets were at Mm -hmm. least starting to open up some looks but what they needed to do to open up those looks is they needed to create chaos at the front of the net right well we've seen that happen this is what their third straight game with a power play goal now ken Um, four and three games yeah well here's what i saw tonight now i know i got a text from scott billick um uh and I don't want to, his take, I don't want to steal his takes. I, I'm always very careful if I have conversations outside of the show before I bring them in. I think Scott would be okay with me talking about this. He doesn't see a lot of difference between the power play now and the power play before. He says the difference is, you know, Connor's taking some shots and they're going in the net. Fair enough, right? Because one of the shots that we saw him uh, put in the back of the net was a double redirection off guys in front of the net, which I had said uh you know, th- th- these are the kind of goals that you need at this stage. Tonight, again, same thing. He kind of looked surprised that he scored. Uh, it redirects in off the stick, I believe, of the defender. But the fact of the matter is he's – so Nick Letty is not so far up that he's shutting that, – that Kyle Connor needs to shoot around him. Do you understand what I'm saying? The closer – a block is the closer a blocked shot is the closer you are to the puck carrier, the wider the shooter has to shoot to get it around you. Right? So in that situation, Nick Letty is sunken in enough that Kyle Connor can take a shot that is just off to the side of him ends up hitting his stick, but that's still going to go on the net because Nick Letty is deep enough back that Kyle Connor can take a shot at the net. Well, why is that? It's, it's like that because before that, you get this passing play where he is up top. They cheat on him to keep him from shooting. He throws it down to Alex Iafel. And now comes the, the, the important part. Mark Scheifele leaves the boards and goes crashing to the front of the net, gets the pass across, and puts it into the back of the net. You've got to make the defender 
respect the fact that you can get to the front of the net. Mark Scheifele gets to the front of the net. Nobody covers him. Boom, it's in the back of the net. So now the defenders have to sit back and they need to protect the front of the net. And that's what's opening up the shot for Kyle Connor. I said it a couple of days ago or a couple of games ago. I thought the Jets power, go check the receipts. This is another receipt checking time if you want to go do it. But I'd said that because what I was seeing is the Jets creating chaos in front of the net for the first time in a long time and just getting the puck there. And maybe it didn't go in right away. It was the Rangers game, I believe. It was the Rangers game we were talking about that I right. said, listen, I know it's not going in, but I think that they're showing signs of the things that you need to do. Get a couple bounces. All of a sudden, you get confidence. All of a sudden, those shots that Kyle Connor's taking instead of being right into the crest are starting to find corners. All of a sudden, because there's chaos, pucks are bouncing off players and getting to the back of the net. But the important part about this is you have to make the defenders protect the house if you want to open up a shot from a guy like him. And if you open up the shot from a guy like Kyle Connor, then the, your defenders have to respect that. And that opens up the front of the net one way or the other. Before this, the Jets were just passing it around the horn, passing it around the umbrella. When Nick Ehlers was on there, they were passing it up to him and he was skating and trying to get that shot up. It wasn't working. They were too perimeter. They've switched that around. Ken, that's why I think their PK is working right now. Yeah, no doubt the puck movement was better, uh, you know, I think that Letty kind of got himself caught in between. Uh, his body was not in the lane. His stick was in the lane. And you could tell both by the reaction of Jordan Bennington, who didn't really m- react the way you normally would in a normal one-timer. Yeah. Uh, and then you saw Letty kind of like sh- slump because he's like, oh, I either have to block that or get out of the way, basically, is what happened there. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, the first goal by Shifley is really good. You have the interchanges with Morrissey and Connor, you have quick movement down low and you, for the first time this year, that cross ice backdoor play from Alex Iafalo to Mark Shifley was available to them. But the reason it was available, Sean goes back to the start of that play. Iafalo is not just standing static in front of Jordan Bennington. He's in front of Bennington. He slides down to provide uh, support to, Kyle Connor, and then he drives at the net, and then he sees Mark Shifley read that play, comes in, and then the one timer is available. It was uh, it was very impressive uh, the movement there. That that play is not available often, but it's going to be available. We saw it a lot last year, Sean, and you would know this when Pierre Luc Dubois would walk out of the net and try to jam at home. Now. Sometimes that's going to work and you might score, but that play has to be made in order to open up the backdoor pass. So, yes. Uh, yes. You have, to respect, today. you have to respect the, the near post. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that the Jets have finally started to get some reward on the power play is important to them. They were saying all the right things. And even when they were a little bit too stationary and, and, and stuck way out on the perimeter, they kept their belief and worked hard and fought their way through it. Now, you know, they've been near the bottom of the NHL. So it's going to need to go on a decent clip in order to get move into the middle third. And then if they can try to get themselves into the top third, then they'll be feeling really good about things. But it's a start and it's an important start for them. And it's something that they really needed to do because you can survive with one of your special teams struggling. You can't often survive with both of them struggling. And and quite frankly, they were both struggling uh, during this stretch here. But as we know, it's early, 12 games in, 70 more to go. So 
the Jets have lots of time to stick with this and, and see what happens as they move along. But their confidence level is, you know, a much higher than it was, you know, a week and a half ago when the, you know, power play uh, was stuck in that really tough rut there. So, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, they, their puck movement's been better, and they've got themselves feeling feeling good about things. And, you know, they got a goal from the second unit the other night as well from Niederreiter. So, I mean, that, that was also important, uh, and it will continue to be important as they move forward here. No doubt. They, they, to me, Ken, I think they've got the right formula right now. Yeah. The, the pressure up high, the pressure out low. Having the right formula is key for that. Uh, and I'll say this, um, Cambrian Credit Union has had the right formula for you and I. They're one of the reasons why mm-hmm. we do our business with them. Makes a great rates, uh, great customer service, um, great, you know, products like the unfee account that i've got uh, my daughters signed up with and also stuff like this just uh, a great formula of supporting the community and throwing uh, out the sponsorships and the donations that they do always involved in the community really happy to have them on board uh and always involved uh they're, they're just outside of being the kenny and rennie ogs ken they're they're just that close to being the kenny and rennie ogs but we'll give them that uh close moniker anyways uh good stuff by them give a shout out to sweet lou before we really start getting into stuff because this is a show where like the johnston group uh got you covered play of the game uh the keg save of the game the the lamplighter everything it's going to be big conversations to have with these things so let's uh let's do sweet lou before we get into that yeah no doubt for the folks who have uh, real real estate needs that uh, they'd like to have met whether you're buying whether you're selling whether you're curious what that house on the corner is going for uh, you can contact lou furlan of royal page dynamic realty 204-791-9971 or at the office 204-989-5000 his email is lou at louferlan.ca that's l-o-u at l-o-u-f-u-r-l-a-n.ca lou furlan excellent realtor excellent human being and excellent supporter of the community am i detecting in the chat room uh, uh a lot of uh kind of jabbering about like meeting up in the live venues i love it i, lo- I love this kind of like wrestling buildup that that <laughs> de- december 10th party it's it's the christmas slash ho- holiday party but it's starting to Do you like, have the link it's starting to like line up. I'll get it out there, but it's okay. it's sounding in the chat room here like it's like a wrestling event, like December to remember or something <laughs> like that. Because people are getting crazy. It's like we'll be seeing you. Oh yeah, we'll say that at the at the uh, December tenth december to remember party i don't know maybe we should change it and turn this into like get some luchador masks or whatever maybe we should get like a wrestling ring set up in the middle and finally have the k and r match that everyone's been waiting for i don't know we we we'll, we'll we'll bat around some ideas we'll see but i'll have it out there just a, a reminder we'll get it into the chat room everybody but december 10th at transcanner brewing company we're having our holiday slash christmas slash december to remember party uh and we're doing it in the big room if you haven't been to a kenny and rennie event at the big room in tcb you'll absolutely love it and you'll love it because by getting your tickets you get your first drink for free and it's uh, all the pizza and all the appies that you can eat and a live showing of the k and r show people have already started lining up getting tickets the rest of you what are you waiting for get on it as well okay let's get on to this start off with the johnson group got you covered play of the game ken i've got the perfect one you want well, me to go you, first you should yeah okay 
Uh, the the perfect the perfect because I think this is this is just like the Johnson Group right like just when 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 you've got the Johnson Group in your corner something goes wrong they got you covered there but then something unforeseen happens and they got you covered there there's layers there's layers of them having you covered the Kenny and Rennie OGs and that one Nemesnikov uh, block on the empty net I mean Connor Hellebuck is nowhere to be found and is it DeMello who's the first line of defense he was who tries yes. to take away the empty net and the the player manages to get it by Dylan DeMello so not only does Dylan DeMello have Connor Hellebuck covered in this situation but then Vladimir Nemesnikov has Dylan DeMello covered in this situation this is like the gotcha covered squared which makes total sense uh I just absolutely love this play, and I think we do need to dig into that before we get into it. Okay, I'm not even – let's just get into it now. This is a hallmark of a Rick Bonus coach team, and the Rick Bonus coached Winnipeg Jets is this compete level. You want to see how many times it's happened this year that the Winnipeg Jets have bailed out Connor Hellebuck in this situation, and yet I think it was Kevin Sawyer on the broadcast pointed this out, or maybe it was Dan Robertson, but pointed out, or no, I think it was actually uh, uh, one of the intermissions. But the idea that Connor Hellebuck has been bailing out the Winnipeg Jets for years, and we all know that to be true. But the last couple of years, the Winnipeg Jets have been doing the same and really, really covering off Connor Hellebuck in situations like this. I talk about that stat where I've said which goalie won the goalie battle. I mean, I still think Connor Hellebuck wins the goalie battle here tonight. I think he's a little bit better than Jordan Biddington. And I definitely think so because of the wake-up call. But Connor Hellebuck, this was not a banner night for Connor Hellebuck. And yet he walks out of this game, like you said, allowing a stinker that he probably would like back and still only allows two goals on Mm -hmm. the game. And the reason is because his team defense around him, there's one, two, three, four guys at every turn. I think of Ayafalo a couple of games ago where the puck got behind him and Ayafalo clears it out. This Winnipeg Jets team does not stop fighting until the puck crosses the line in their own net they do not stop defending and that's why we've got that and to me that's just the absolute perfect got you covered got you covered square layers of coverage just like the kenny and rennie ogs <laughs> at the johnston group absolutely phenomenal and hey do you run a small business in canada look to canada's number one employee benefits plan chambers plan to give you a competitive edge chambers plan is the simple stable smart choice for over thirty thousand businesses countrywide visit chamberplan.ca to learn more and how you can have the Johnson Group cover you just like they do every every Kenny and Ray podcast with the Gotcha Covered play of the game. Well done. Couldn't have said um, it better okay. myself. I'm going to throw it to you for the keg save of the game then. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned his name in the, as the double layer. I mean, the, the kick save by Dylan DeMello is an absolute beauty. It is the, <laughs> it is the street hockey special. It is all of the things. Another example where, I mean... It's it, the net. It's open. I mean, Connor Hellbuck makes the initial save, and it's right there. And and much to the chagrin of the St. Louis Blues player, uh, absolute robbery by Dylan DeMello, and, and just to really, uh, he he channeled his inner Connor Hellbuck on that save. I mean, he's the kind of guy who, you know, he's so fundamentally sound positionally that he doesn't have to make a ton of athletic saves because he doesn't have to because his positioning is so good when he's at his best and today he was not quite as sharp as we're used to seeing but um, Dylan DeMello was there for him uh, in terms of delivering that keg save of the game Uh, and we should visit any of the three locations in the city 
And we know the keg delivers just like Dylan DeMello delivered for Connor Hellebuck. Do they deliver? No, sorry. They deliver. <laughs> just let, leave the, leave deliver the in the food, buddy, the, with the food, with listen, the good meal they, and the experience. Listen, come on, come when on. When you're there. I didn't say, deli- I didn't say it was a special delivery. Well, I said they deliver I when it comes to the excellence. Listen, of, we'll let the chat the room decide whether they thought that you were talking about delivery or not. I don't know. Anyways, oh, all man. three locations Please. is where you can go and spend the $50 gift certificate uh, that the keg is generously donated and giving away every single Kenny and Rennie episode. They are making it rain keg gift cards. Uh, uh, my mo- my mouth is watering just thinking about it. But it's time to announce the winner. And this is, by the way, I got to say this. I th- asked people and said you could like sign up for a second uh, mm-hmm. a second entry to win the keg save of the game and the lamplighter uh, play of the game. Um, and people just jumped on board all over that. So there was a ton, a ton of people who not only left comments in the show, but they left it afterwards uh, on the YouTube uh, video where you can make comments, which really kind of helps people. It helps with our algorithm, helps people. I saw people jumping on there, Ken, saying, I'm just here to boost the algorithm. Thank you for that. I just love it how when we put out a call for help, from our uh, our audience, mm-hmm. everyone always jumps up. You did a great job. So I'm glad that someone who jumped in there won today. This is, I don't know if this is a person we've had on here before. Definitely, I don't think they're a winner unless they won under a different name. But the keg winner of the save of the game from our previous game is at Mission Mode. At Mission mm-hmm. Mode is their handle on YouTube. At Mission Mode, you know what to do. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. I need your full name and I need your email address. You get me those things before the next game and you will have your very own $50 gift certificate to the keg that you can spend at any of their three locations in the city. Congrats at Mission Mode and thank you for jumping on board and leaving that comment there. Ken, before we do hop into the next thing here, and I don't want to, I just, I wanted to shout this out here. So Julie Sue, who's been around since the very beginning of mm-hmm. K&R. Um, I believe she lives in BC, but she always tunes in. Jets fan here. Uh, just I'm throwing up a comment here. It doesn't really have anything to do with what we're talking about now. But Julie Sue behind the scenes is a sister of a colleague of ours. I'm not going to you know, totally put his name out there, uh, but Colin, you met him before. He was loved golf, Ken, phenomenal golfer. Um, And uh, he always wanted to bring you. And actually, I said to him, he's the guy. I said this joke on the show. He would always have me at these Rogers corporate events. And Ken, you know that I I can fall apart on the golf course. It happens quite often. And I said, you know, Ken works with us. Now you should bring Ken in. And he said, Sean, I host these tournaments. I'm not trying to win them. That's why I bring you on board. So... Colin, absolutely great guy. Uh, Julie's brother, I found that out. I talked to Colin a couple times. He wasn't quite the hockey fan that Julie was. Wasn't as intense into it as Julie was. Every couple times, every once in a while, I'd tell him about our podcast, and he'd always seem a little befuddled by it. I, he didn't definitely didn't check in. But Julie won the lamplighter one time and gifted mm-hmm. it to Colin. So he was a benefactor um, uh, from the Kenny and Rennie show. Um, Colin passed away. Oh, and yeah and so it's not something that was entirely unexpected julie has been gracious enough to share behind the scenes with me some of the struggle that he's gone through i'm not going to get into it uh that's for his family that's his family story to tell i just wanted to say every interaction i had with the guy i left having fun and feeling really valued 
Um, he was a high up with Rogers. Uh, really, really great guy. Uh, I'm sure it's a hard time for Julie Sue. And I just wanted to say uh, our thoughts are with you. Um, and boy, oh boy, he was he was great to work with and a great person to get to know. And I consider myself very, uh, I, I'm honored to have spent time with him and I value the time that I spent with him. So Julie, our thoughts are with you. We wish you uh, and Colin's family all the best. Um, Ken, I'm going to make the turn. It's hard to come out of that, but let's do it anyways. Uh, let's jump into your uh, TCB lamplighter. What do you got? And everyone else, please feel free to jump in there and share with me your lamplighters as well. Yeah, I mean, there's tons of great options, but, uh, you know, I, you know, speaking of emotional times, um, Neil Pionk, I know he's not the only one on the team. Obviously, there's a bunch of Jets that uh, have played with Adam Johnson at various levels, uh, dating back to, you know, Sioux City of the USHL and, you know, Minnesota Duluth and the Ontario Reign of the American Hockey League. But, I mean, Neil Pionk... Uh, you know, he was, as we mentioned on the last show, gracious enough to share uh, his heartbreaking story with Mike McIntyre, my colleague on the, on this road trip. And um, Neil spoke at the, at the celebration of life. I know some folks tuned in on the, on the live stream and um, we know how emotional he has been, uh, you know, losing someone who he considered a brother, essentially a guy who was in his wedding party um, and a guy that, you know, quite frankly, you know, Neil's a guy who has a, has a quiet a demeanor, but has a real sense of humor. And, you know, he shared that, you know, Neil got off to a tough start and Adam was the first guy to say, hey, you need to pick it up. So uh, the fact that Neil Pionk scored his first goal the day after speaking at the celebration of life, uh, you know, people can, you know, is it a coincidence? I, I don't think so. I mean, this is a guy who has... Um, found some solace uh, during an, an incredibly difficult time on the ice. Uh, Sean, we both know a lot, you know, a fair share about loss. And, uh, you know, if this is helping Neil in the in the healing process, uh, you know, good on him. And uh, you could tell by his reaction and from his teammates' reaction um, that it meant a lot not only to Neil but also to his teammates who know that, you know, Neil and all of the people who know Adam and all the people, in the, you know, a lot of people in the hockey world, whether they knew him, uh, you know, firsthand or second, second, second degree of separation or whatever. But uh, uh, that Neil Pionk goal was, uh, was an important one for him, uh, important one for a, a lot of people in Hibbing, Minnesota. And, uh, you know, it's, it's my easy choice for the lamplighter on a night where there were tons of, tons of imp impressive goals. Ken, you handled that really well. That was really well done. Uh, you're a classy individual, and it's moments like this. So there's a million moments like that, but moments like this, I'm proud to call you my partner and be doing this with you. Well, well done. Um, I'm going to transition it uh, and say uh, that's Ken's very eloquently put lamplighter uh, of the game. I couldn't agree with him more. Um, you don't have to agree with him, but what you should do is you should share with us your lamplighter of the game, your favorite goal of the game, because if you do so, you automatically enter yourself to win a frosty, delicious eight-pack of lamplighter amber ale brought to you by our friends at TransCanner Brewing Company. If you can't wait for Kenny and Rennie to gift you your very own eight-pack, well, why don't you head on down to TransCanner Brewing Company yourself. Join them in their tap room where we will be having our December 10th 
Christmas slash holiday slash December to remember party at 11290 Keniston in the big room. It's going to be great. Uh, but you do that. You share with us your hashtag TCB, hashtag lamplighter uh, of the game, and you're automatically entered to win just like this next person who won. And I think that this is a first-time winner as well, although I recognize the name from the show. Uh, the lamplighter goes from last show to TK. Capital T, capital, capital K, That's that came out of our chat room. I've seen TK in there quite often. I don't think I've seen TK today. So you know what to do, TK. Direct message me at SN Sean Reynolds. Uh, send me your full name and an email, and I will send you a voucher for your very, very own Frosty Delicious 8-Pack of Lamplighter Amber Ale, the Nectar of the Gods, brought to you by our friends at TransCanada Brewing Company, who will be hosting the KNR December 10th december to remember party get your tickets everybody it's gonna be a banger okay ken i wanted to move on to the idea of what the winnipeg jets have been doing to the central division so far this year and i believe this is a continuation of what they did last season as well but what i really liked about the tail end of this road trip is they go into vegas they lose that game it's their third straight loss although they'd taken points in the previous two games and then they walk into Arizona, and it's one of these situations where, hey, lose to Arizona, and all of a sudden we're behind Arizona. All of a sudden Arizona is the third-place team in the Central Division, and the Winnipeg Jets are clinging on to that eighth-place spot. And they wouldn't have been clinging on to it anymore. The St. Louis Blues would have passed them before this game had they not done that, had they not taken care of business. But what I saw here is the Winnipeg Jets in third place, and here came the Arizona Coyotes nipping at their heels, and the Winnipeg Jets reached down and smashed them back down. And then the St. Louis Blues tried to do the same thing today, and they tried to get up there. Exact same result comes out of that. They're going to have similar challenges going forward against the likes of the Nashville Predators, maybe even Chicago. I think Chicago is probably a team they don't have to worry about too much. But when the Winnipeg Jets like need to, to uh, make, make hay, Boy, oh boy, are there a lot of sunny days when they play the Central Division again. Yeah, you know, it's so important, and it's the kind of record, it's important if you have a good record in your division, it can be the separator when it comes to the mushy middle and no doubt, uh, maybe avoiding a wild card and potentially getting that third spot. I mean, we talked about it going into the year. It was Colorado and Dallas and then kind of a, a bit of a coin flip. Um uh, from you know whether it was Minnesota who's struggling to St. Louis who's been a little bit up and down to Nashville. I know there were a couple of people in the chat room ripping Nashville. I mean, Jets are only four points up on Nashville, so I'd be careful when it comes to dismissing them. Now, there again, head to head game. You know, you want to be six up or do you want to be two up? I mean, uh, it's never too early. They've got four games in a row against Central Division teams, and. They're off to a good start here on this road trip uh, in in earning victories against Arizona, who, you know, they're still in that kind of playing loose phase where there's not a lot of expectations around the league for Arizona. They caught some teams by surprise, and, man, they they were outside. You know, they were ahead of the Jets going into that game on Saturday, so... um you know Nashville they have their they have their issues i'm not saying they're a great team but they have a vesna caliber goaltender in uc soros and they're trying to reset their culture uh with andrew burnett behind the bench and ryan o'reilly coming in so um you know they're going to be a test the jets shouldn't take them lightly 
Uh, we saw down the stretch, even after they had traded their players, they play hard. And they always play the Jets hard. It's one of their rivals dating back to the great playoff series in 2018. So uh, anyways, that's neither here nor there. Uh, the Jets have done a great job against the Central. They're going to have to keep that up. Because as we mentioned, I mean, if they're good in the Central, that will help their chances. <laughs> Uh, the classic from Kenny's water bottle, right? (laughs) Kenny's water bottle says no one needs to agree with Kenny, but it's hard to disagree with a man who's never wrong. I like it. Good stuff. Uh, Not accurate, Um, but we appreciate the thought. Yeah. Um, I want to attach this idea of the Winnipeg jets and what they, because like to me down the stretch last year, that was the very, that was the very reason the Winnipeg Jets made the playoffs, right? Like you go down right. the stretch, you've got that big game towards the end of the year against Nashville. It was earlier on. They were, uh, I think they went to overtime. It was a KNR live show, Ken, uh, an afternoon game. I believe that they played. It was kind of the start of Adam Lowry's surge towards the end. Right. And he they're, they're trailing against the Nashville Predators in the third period, Adam Lowry scores to tie the game and they go and they win in overtime or a shootout. I can't remember which one it was. Um, but the down the stretch, the Winnipeg Jets barely made the playoffs. And I think the reason that they did is when they were playing the teams for the most part that were chasing them, other than that loss against the Calgary Flames right towards the end of the season, they beat those teams, right? So we, we saw it from Nashville down the stretcher. They were beating everybody and everybody and everybody and everybody. And then all of a sudden they came to play the Winnipeg Jets and the Winnipeg Jets absolutely ground them down in that game. I am going to tie this to the mentality of this team this year being not being slaves to momentum. So I think this is one of the things that makes the Jets really, really good is their ability to kind of go out and say, you know what we need? We need a real good push here. And then just going out and getting that push, right? Like delivering when you need to deliver, right? So I I think of it like this. In this game tonight, it starts out and Adam Lowry's line starts the game and just gets caved in. Something I don't know that we've seen that happen this year, Ken. But they go out, they get absolutely caved in. And then the next lines come out and follows. And for the first seven minutes or so of the game, it's dominant by the St. Louis Blues. And then all of a sudden, Adam Lowry's line comes back out and they turn the tide and it goes the other direction. And then, and then Mark, I think it's very shortly after that, that they get their, the uh, Shifley line uh, gets their first goal penalties drawn. Uh, was it Mason Appleton who drew that first penalty? I can't remember. I know Today. that he drew one. Um, anyway, uh, regardless, my brain is going to find that uh, it's Ehlers. It's true. Okay. Yeah. Um, but regardless, that line going out, and so it's not one of these nights where the third line does absolutely everything. Like, okay, let's go and dominate. Let's go and crash and bang the other team, and let's go. You know, Nino's going to get a hat trick, and we're just going to go dominate and go win the game ourselves, right? Yeah. It wasn't one of those nights for that line, but I do think that that was the starter's whistle, right? The Jets were late to the game, just like they were late to the game. I guess that's something we could maybe talk to at some point if it keeps being a problem. They keep getting points, so it's not huge yet. But the Jets seem to be a little bit slow out of the gates against teams, but it seems to me that that's the line that like kind of looks to the rest of the bench and says, okay, guys, that's enough. Let's get going. And I don't know if it's a head coach who's saying something to them and they're doing it, but I like the jets ability this year to deliver 
when it's time to deliver in a game. They don't disappear at a time of the game where it's at, where they need to be there. They're present when they need to be present. And I think that extends. So that's the, the micro level on the macro level. That's them going into a game against division rivals and being like, we need this game guys like we need to go out there and we need to make sure we have the kind of performance where whatever we do we come out with the victory and so they do that against uh the arizona coyotes they've done it twice now against the st louis blues um it's going to get different right because the the real heavy hitters you know in the dallas stars and the uh, colorado avalanche are still to come uh yep. nashville i would think is probably the biggest grind I, I know St. Louis was having success before this. They just play so loose to me, Ken. I feel like the bottom's going to fall out on them. That's another receipt people can check. I may, I may look foolish saying that in the future here, but the, both games against the Jets, I think you and I haven't been overly impressed with the way they played the game. But just back to that final point, I just want to hammer home. The Jets, when the Central Division comes rolling into town, the Jets are like, we know that these games mean more than every other game, so we're going to make sure we have what we need tonight to compete and to win in these games. And tonight, to me, is just another example of them doing that. Yeah, and again, this is not a you know, shameless plug here, but uh, Mike McIntyre, my colleague at the Winnipeg Free Press, uh, you know, sat down with Adam Lowry today after the morning skate and uh, talked a lot about what the first couple of months here have been like as captain. Um, there's been a lot going on for the Jets, Sean, on and off the ice. Uh, a lot to deal with and some emotional things. And uh, he shared some really great things. So it's already up uh, up at winnipegfreepress.com. Uh, check it out. You won't be disappointed. But, man, I mean, it's he's doing a great job on and off the ice, I think, uh, Sean. And, and, you know, you hit the nail on the head there. And, you know, I think, too, uh, another important thing today, the fourth line. Another important game for the fourth line, I thought, um, overall. Uh, Kapari, you know, still looking for that goal, but, you know, pretty involved. Four shots on net. Uh, you know, he was 10.57, David Gustafson 10.23, and Morgan Barron 12.19. I mean, obviously we know that uh, Barron's a little bit more involved in special teams on the PK there. But, yeah, I mean, fourth line being involved is important for the Jets, and we talked about it a ton. Getting them over, you know, double digits in minutes that is impressive and they got to keep doing it to help tax you know don't overtax their top guys um you know important even if it's an empty netter i don't care about that cole perfetti seven points in his last seven games it's just his second goal of the year uh but for all the people saying oh well cole's got to shoot got to shoot got to shoot got to score cole perfetti currently tied with Connor mcdavid in goals on the season now we don't expect that to last i'm just saying it's important to remember um that you know takes some time. I know some people are still expressing concern uh, about Nikolai Ehlers. Uh, I don't think that uh, he's playing his best. Uh, that's evident, and I don't just mean in terms of points. Something looks off with him, and he's not you know as explosive. There are bursts, uh, but I don't think he's been as explosive for extended periods. Um, but. At the same time, I, I don't think it's a you know humongous cause for concern, but I do think he has another level. He knows it, you know it, I know it, the chat room knows it, uh, and the Jets are going to need to get him going. But um, and some for, for folks asking uh, Gabriel Velarde, still only it feels like forever for a lot of people. I understand this, but I think it was only three weeks since the original injury today. Uh, I don't think he's going to be on the ice in the next little bit still. I think it'll be another probably week before he gets on the ice. So 
his return is not imminent. So it's still going to be um, important uh, for the Jets to have some more continuity and get those guys rolling uh, and keep rolling four lines overall. Um, hey, I, I, I wanted to kind of challenge you a little bit on the fourth line there and, and the chat room here because everyone seems to be pretty happy with it. But, I mean, at this stage, 12 games into the season, Kapari with one point, um, uh, Morgan Barron with three points. Are, are they producing enough of offensively? Like at this stage right now, someone pointed it out. The Jets have been very good, uh, a team at the idea of like, okay, at the right time, the third line shows up and they win this game. Tonight, the first line shows up. Uh, a couple games ago, the second line kind of jumped in. Like you'd said, uh, Cole Perfetti starting to pick things up here a little bit. But, you know, when I, when I watched that fourth line start off against Adam Lowry's line from the St. Louis Blues, and that was one thing. That line caught my eye, and it actually caught my eye both games that they played. Now, I don't think the St. Louis Blues are going on and winning a cup or anything like that, so I'm not going to, like, be boasting about their fourth line prowess or whatever. But at this stage, wouldn't we have expected the fourth line to have done more offensively by this point of the season? And shouldn't we? have expected them to do more offensively by this point in the season. I mean, I understand that Cole Perfetti set up both of Gustafson's goals, but I mean, four goals in 12 games is, do you think the fourth line should have more than four goals in 12 games? I mean, that's not a, well, I, I think you just kind of made the point there. Like when they're, I, when, I, their I don't... Center, when their center has one point on the season, I mean, that I think is more of an indication of what the fourth line is doing. than Cole Perfetti, I mean, you know, just a feeding the shift. puck over. I mean, it was, a, it was just happened to be. Right. Which, I mean, which means that that line is able to produce only when someone from a different line gets on there. I mean, it's, 12 games, I still consider 12 games to be a fairly small sample. I mean, could they produce more offensively? Yes. But- oh, it's a small sample, but I'm just, I, I guess, the, my, I don't know. Yeah, the, Sorry, you have no just- concerns. You have no concerns about this line's ability to generate the necessary offense that you would expect from them as the season wears on. Well, I mean, they could produce more, no doubt. I mean, I, you know, I, I think that Morgan Barron could grow into a double-digit goal scorer uh, quite easily, but right now he's going to have to increase his pace in order to do that. Um, uh, I would say that if that fourth line was getting scored on a lot more than they've been scoring, Sean, then maybe yes. But, I mean, today you, you have a great example here. So if the St. Louis Blues are playing their fourth line against Adam Lowry for a lot of the game, as they did, yes, later on it, you know they switched to Cairo because they needed offense. Um, that means the fourth line is playing against probably the third line or higher for the Blues, Sean. And I, I don't think that they were just treading water today. Like They didn't have a ton of offensive chances, but I thought that they probably out, you know, out, I mean, I'd have to look at it, but I don't think they got caved in, even though they had to play you know, against a higher level of competition than maybe normal. Um, could they produce more? Absolutely. So... I, but I, I guess I'm not I would... concerned. Sorry, I'm not concerned by them. And then secondly, I don't... I don't I just don't think that they have until Velarde's back. I mean, I you know I think Dominic Tonato could come in and give them a boost, but I don't think that he's coming in and producing a ton ton more offense than what they're getting. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, it's not a concern for me. But of I, course, I guess they can I, score more. I mean, but they I, to I would, me they have four goals. So I would say it like this: um, like if we take a look at what the Vegas Golden Knights did last year with all four of their lines. There were, I mean, the Winnipeg Jets saw a game lost in game four in Winnipeg is law or sorry, is a game or is it both game three and four where 
members of that fourth line basically alter the outcome of the game, right? Like that that line that Keegan Colasar is on uh, is the kind of line that can go. So here we are. We're talking about how the Winnipeg Jets are getting by because the third line is going out and winning games. The first line is going out and winning games. I mean, one of the reasons the Vegas Golden Knights are who they are right now and who they were last year as Stanley Cup winners is because they had four lines that could do that, right? And it wasn't just in that first series against the Winnipeg Jets. They did it again against the Edmonton Oilers. They did it again against the Dallas Stars. Like those lines, never mind, well, they didn't get caved in. Those line, that fourth line goes out and caves other teams in and puts the puck in the back of the net. And so I guess maybe lamenting or worrying about where the fourth line is at this stage uh, is is a pointless exercise because at some point Gabe Velarde is going to come back and that, you know, eventually the trickle down effect is going to have an effect on that fourth line. The fourth line always looks very different when you get down the stretch. But I guess my counter to all of this is hockey is never as loose as it is at the beginning of the season. And yes, 12 games is not, you know, I mean, even though it's, it's over, you know, what, I don't know what we're talking about. 15% of the season, 12 games is, uh, I mean, it's, it's a small sample size. I just, would feel a lot more comfortable if I knew that this line was capable of grinding every once in a while, jamming the puck to the front of the net and putting the puck in the net, not just trying to hold on because then I know people are going to slaughter me because I'm about to bring up, um, I'm about to bring up plus minus, but you know, Rasmus Kapari is a minus three. David Gustafson's a plus one and Morgan Barron is a minus one. And to your point, David Gustafson is getting his points off passes from players further up in the lineup than that. So that's probably saving his plus minus as well. I just, I think at some point you have to have a fourth line that pushes, that can put the puck in the net and grind you out and, and win you some games. I haven't seen that capability. And, and and the central figure of that line we go back to is Rasmus Kapari, right? Like that's the one thing that's probably not going to change. I know we had the debate. Would you take Rasmus Kapari out and put David Gustafson in? The answer to that, Ken, I think is that's not going to happen. I think Rasmus Kapari, that's his spot to lose. And I don't know know what it would take for him to lose it but i'd say this like at some point that line needs to show me that they can go out not only hold not only not get caved in not just play even they need to show me at some point that they can go out and punch the other team in the mouth and jam the puck over the line every once in a while to the benefit of this team that's that's the the only thing i my takeaway from it all yeah, I mean, Vegas has the best fourth line in hockey. I mean, it, it didn't happen overnight. William Carrier had 16 goals last year. Colasar had eight. I mean, uh, Nicholas Wapp spends some of the year playing on the second power play and on the second line when he's not on the fourth. So, I mean, that that's an elite fourth line. I mean, uh, I would say the Jets' fourth line is currently constituted, has some potential to grow into that, but they're certainly not at that stage yet. Um, but... At the same time, I mean, Kapari had four shots on net, and I think he did exactly what you asked him to do when he came out from behind the net today on that one play. So uh, we've talked about this from the beginning. Kapari has shown signs of getting to the right spots, um, but he hasn't shown any finish yet. So will that change? And will if he gets one, will he get five? I mean, that's up to him. We, we don't know it until we'll see it. I mean, uh, I would say right now there's more potential in production, but... I like the way that that line is played at five on five. I, I don't see them getting hemmed in in their own zone a lot. I see, uh, you know, Gustafson playing with much more confidence, skating better. Now, again, too, 
Morgan Barron is a guy who I think I like the way that he plays, but, uh, you know, those guys have room to grow, but I think everyone has room to grow at this stage of the year. I mean, we just came off a stretch where Mike, Mark Scheifele went six games without scoring. I mean, uh, Kyle Connor had some sleepy games and you look up, he's got eight goals. I mean, you and I sat in the lobby talking about Kyle Connor. I mean, eight and 12, he's well on his way to being north of 40, which I, I thought he'd have a good chance of getting. Now he's going to have to sustain that for sure. But even on a game like tonight, Kyle Connor, I thought was very effective. Seven shots on net, two goals, like eight goals in 12 games. Hard to get. I mean, I know Austin Matthews is off to an unreal start with 13, but like Kyle's in the discussion for the rocket Richard trophy right now. So, uh, and, and what Shifley's up to five or six. I mean, it's, um, I think they're scoring enough, but they have room to grow. Like we've said this before, there've been tons of games where the jets haven't had three out of their four lines going, uh, at least in terms of producing offense. So I think there's another level for them to reach, um, defensively, their team defense, I think is improving. Um, you know, Julie Sue mentioned Nate Schmidt. I mean, Nate had a tough moment. He had his stick lifted by Robert Thomas on the first goal. Um, you know, now it's been 12 games in a row with Declan Chisholm not playing at all. I mean, I I personally would have some temptation um, to play Declan Chisholm at some point here, but I understand that the coaching staff is leaning on their veterans and they're trying uh, for Nate Schmidt to push through and, and, and raise his level. And I think there have been signs of that, but um, he's not playing at the level that he has you know played at before. So... Um, there'd be some temptation there for me in terms of Declan Chisholm, but you know, I don't know that the jets are, are going to break up the lineup and, you know, people can say whatever they want and say, oh, well, you know, they shouldn't just not do it because, uh, it's a winning lineup, but you know, we're talking about the things they need to be better moving the puck. That's one of Declan Chisholm's skills, but you know, it's been two years since he's played in an NHL game. So, um, I'll be curious to see how they handle it anyways. Um, just to address this uh, for the people listening uh, and not seeing people are calling me out for flip-flopping on Kapari. Let's just pump the brakes on this for a second here. I made my statements at the beginning of the season. I said afterwards uh, I saw the potential that some people were seeing. I saw a little bit more puck-houndedness. I st- stood firm on the idea that I'm not seeing offensively what I need to see from him. Uh, those of you who were saying the opposite can own his one point in his first 12 games of the season. I'll stick comfortably by what I've said about this the whole time. You can call flip-flops however you want. Uh, I think I've been no, pretty it's not bang a flip-flop. On. I think I've been pretty bang on with this, uh, my uh, take on this. And until Rasmus Kapari starts showing the offensive flair that so many of you are expecting in the room for growth that everyone is talking about, I'm holding firm on the idea of what I've been saying here the whole time, counter to what everyone else is saying. And right now, uh, the conversation is coming up, Rennie, on this one time and time again. Um, okay, time to shut this down. Before we do go, I want to give a shout out again uh, to the December to remember, the December to dismember, Roy Mack was calling it. Uh, Roy Mack's the kind of guy, he's been to a couple parties there. His arms are about this big. He's the kind of guy who could dismember some people uh, if it were. He's my tag team partner if there's a tag team uh, uh, to be put together there. Uh, but, yeah, December 10th, I'm going to throw it into the chat room here, everybody. This is where you can get your tickets. Uh, like I said, we had a full 
packed house at the uh, downstairs event at uh, at TCB last year for the year ender. If you haven't been to a uh, full house party at TCB, they are an absolute blast when Kenny and Rennie put it on. We want to pack that place. We want to show them what the KNR community is capable of. So uh, head over there, grab your tickets, everybody. We would love to see you there. It's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, great job by the chat room. Uh, you know what to do. Uh, leave your comments in the YouTube video afterwards. It gets you a second entry to your keg save of the game for your TCB lamplighter. Uh, it also helps us out with uh, with uh, uh, ha having people find our videos. Leave a like, and if you haven't subscribed, please do that as well. Uh, and other than that, if you are enjoying the conversations that happen in these spaces, please, please uh, support our sponsors who are fighting to keep the conversation going in these in this space for us. That's Vittorio Rossi, Pristine Roofing with their wake-up call, Sweet Lou Ferlin, Cambrian Credit Union, the Kenny and Rennie OGs in the Johnson Group, the Keg, and, of course, TransCanada Brewing Company. Thank you so much to them. Thank you to all of you. Great job here tonight, Kenny. We will see everybody after the game on Thursday. Another Central Division clash, Nashville Predators. Yeah? Yes, going to be a good it. one. We'll see you then, everybody. Thanks for joining us.